0: Welcome to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Tuber Talk is produced by Potatoes in Canada magazine. You've tuned in to hear about the people and the ideas making a difference in the Canadian potato industry. This podcast would not be possible without the support of our sponsors. Special thanks to our podcast sponsors, Nutra ag who are leaders in foliar and specialty crop nutrition solutions, and... Their technology platform Nutraanalytics. Nutrianalytics combines standard tissue testing with proprietary algorithms and artificial intelligence to predict yield class within 85% accuracy. More than hundred Canadian potato growers trust Nutra Analytics to optimize their nutritional programs. To learn more, check out NutriAg.com and myNutraanalytics.com. I'm Stephanie Gordon, your host and the editor of Potatoes in Canada magazine. At the time of recording, Ontario is still in the throes of the COVID-19 pandemic, and I hope everyone is staying healthy during these crazy times. I wasn't originally going to do an episode on this topic so soon, but I've been seeing growers share their first deliveries of seed potatoes on Twitter, so now is as good a time as any. For this episode, we're gonna keep it business as usual and talk about how to ensure good potato emergence. I spoke with Steve Johnson at the Ontario Potato Conference and he explained how factors such as seed quality, whether a seed is cut or planted whole, the temperature of the soil, and physiological maturity of seed all impact potato emergence. Before the interview, I would just like to remind you that any resources mentioned Will be available on the episode's show notes, which you can find by clicking this episode title under slash podcasts. Let's get into it. Okay. Just say name and preferred title again.
1: Name and preferred title again. Oh.
0: <laughs> no, you're <yeah.
1: laughs> Steve Johnson, University of Maine, Cooperative Extension, Extension Specialist, and Professor
0: and how did you get started working with potatoes
1: well I did my graduate studies in Maine I didn't work on potatoes but my advisor did and I fell in love with potatoes then and that was in 1978
0: so if you could break it down what are some factors that growers should be uh, mindful of that impact their emergence
1: the real emergence happens during the growing season before. The the real emergence issues can happen the growing season before. Specifically, drought stress at the end of the year can severely age seed. Was it a stressful growing season? Did it have a long growing season? Were there wildly fluctuating temperatures? That tends to age the potato crop going in to storage. And there's a storage concerns whether there was temperature fluctuations from electricity shutoffs and, you know, and if there was, uh, well, the, the uh, temperature variations on the storage or from power loss or something like that. There can be equipment run in the room that, that would produce carbon monoxide or carbon dioxide that would age. The, the, the potatoes, were they stored? Was the air flushed through them? A lot of factors during the storage and how they're handled, coming out of storage, what temperature, how quickly or slowly they're warmed up, or how quickly they're cooled down in the fall as well too. And if there's any biological issues, such as soft rots or dry rots going into the fall that would affect their seed. This is all before they actually take possession of the seed, of course, unless they're a seed grower, of course, they already have possession. And when it comes, be delivered to be used, it needs to, to have a narrow size range is preferable or it's it's sized um, at the farm to be cut or not cut depends on the age of the seed or the size of the seed piece and whether it's pre-cut or not pre-cut, again based on the physiological age of the seed and, and the variety. Uh, some don't do well, some don't mind at all being pre-cut. And as spring approaches, the temperature of the seed as well as the temperature of the soil in the soil conditions, and if the soil seems to be warming up abnormally quickly, it's a bad thing to get excited and go plant because it's very dry, and the potatoes aren't going to emerge, and if there's any cold rain, the temperature can drop four or five degrees centigrade virtually overnight, and it can take two weeks to get that back through there. So. Again, the the conditions before you plant are critical, and then there's all the attention to detail during planting, from you know, seed cutting calibration to planter calibration, seed placement calibration, hill geometry dynamics of the shapes of the hill, as well as the soil temperature and the difference in temperature between the seed and the soil.
0: If I'm a potato grower, what am I looking for when I get that shipment of seed to know whether or not it's good, whether or not it's bad. What are some um, things I should be looking for in my potato seed?
1: Well, I have a 5% rule. All the problems add up to 5%. Over that, you gotta be concerned about getting the load. It comes in, you can see a size uniformity or lack of uniformity. You can take a look at whether potatoes have, there's been rot during the season or not by what's adhering to the potatoes and such. Dry rot is the, seed load disease? Does it have internal or external defects? Is it bruised? Is it poorly handled? This, any experienced grower, can take a quick survey and pass a pretty reasonable judgment based on many years of experience, but they're looking for a biologically healthy seed crop being delivered. Ideally, you'd like to have them pipping or just breaking, perhaps half a centimeter, you just start seeing the eyes waking up when they get delivered and have most of the eyes starting to break at the same time and not have them pre-sprouted, not have the sprouts broken off and um, during the handling. That severely ages the seed and that is an issue because upon receipt you may be planning to plant them in six to ten days. It may be 15 to 25 days because the weather isn't appropriate, and now they're sitting there aging. And if they were a little age to start with, there are a lot more age by the time you get to it. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's talk about that. Here in Ontario, we had a very wet spring last year. So a lot of growers were holding on to seed until the ground was dry enough to plant. Um, and I'm sure that's something that's faced by growers, not just in Ontario, but other places where, like you said, there are delays because of weather to planting. If that's the case, and you aren't planting when you had hoped to plant, what are your options as a grower? What should you be mindful of?
1: Those that didn't wait, and put it in when it's wet, probably got nothing out of the field. It simply broke down in the field because it was cold and wet. So waiting was the right thing to do. It's difficult, but the right thing to do. Um, Certainly, the longer the seed is held, the more age it's gonna become. And that may or may not be an issue, depends on you know, where it is on the progression. But generally speaking, the, the more stressed it is, the better conditions you want to put it in. You want to possibly wait even a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Some seed lots are going to be a little worse shape than others. And if you've got a good seed lot, that may be the first one you plant going through there uh, and, wait, and within a couple days as the soil dries out with a good wind, they can get a lot of drying in a day or two and that other seed lot may be far better at that time to put in but the the more stressful situation, the more dicey seed emergence can be.
0: And you talk a bit about the physiological age of the seed. Can mm-hmm. you expand a bit more about what you mean on that? and? what are the stages and when are they really making a difference?
1: There's no authoritative number and such on that but the seed goes from not being able to sprout to to starting to sprout and is going to exhibit strong apical dominance with one sprout coming out to less apically dominant when they are all the spr- but eyes will sprout at the same time. Good, healthy, thick sprouts to an aged seed that's going to, again, have them all sprout, but they're thin and spindly to, to a potato that simply puts a tuber, grows a, a stem, puts a tuber on, doesn't even come out of the ground um, on there. And when, when that's generally severely stressed seed, and that is Poor storage conditions, poor handling, poor growing season, a number of things altogether. Not that common these these days with the kind of storages that we have, but was more common in years past. Do see it though on occasion.
0: So if your crop is stressed, you want to make sure that your planting conditions are as optimal as they can be to give them the best chance possible. Exactly. Okay, so let's talk a bit about your seed cutter. You talked about how disinfecting it and calibrating it was important. Why is that?
1: Well, we're gonna disinfest, gonna disinfest the seed cutter so there isn't bacteria or fungi, mainly bacteria spread between potatoes and between lots. And this is a emerging concern with some of the new pectobacterium and block leg strains that are around there. And my rule of thumb is daily, disinfest plus between seed lots in addition. So at that point, you're cleaning and disinvesting at least once a day and more often. And This is a power washing, steam cleaning if you got it, and then disinvesting with a quaternary ammonia, possibly a Clorox, but generally a quaternary ammonia solution on there. This is to, to keep pathogens from spreading and equally inoculating the entire load of seed. The And the other question was,
0: Calibrating uh, your cutter.
1: Yeah, the cutter needs to be calibrated. It's a piece of equipment. It needs to to produce a size of seed piece you're looking for. And and again, it would be a shape, would be nice, but that's generally on how big the potatoes are going in. Certainly, large potatoes sh- need to be pulled off and hand cut. They should shouldn't be going through a machine. Some machines are better for long potatoes, some are better for round potatoes, and some of the older cottages that are round, that are quite old, uh, struggle with uh, different sort of varieties and shapes of potatoes that they weren't designed for. The newer ones have a wide range that they can cover and do, and so uh, the grower should be familiar with their own equipment, but they need to pay attention to it, disinvest that and um, calibrate it on a regular basis, possibly between seed lots because you may have a different distribution from grower A than from grower B. Mm
0: -hmm. Are there any resources that you would recommend to growers when it comes to looking at their seed and making sure it's ready to plant?
1: I have a seed cutting fact sheet online, the University of Maine Cooperative Extension. If you Google "Will Maine potato seed cutting Steve Johnson, you'll find it. It's extension, bulletin number, something, 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 something.
0: I'll, I'll add it in the show notes. Don't worry. And you do a lot of your work in Maine, uh, but you're here at the Ontario Potato Conference. Have you, in your time of you know traveling and doing talks, is there a difference between potato growers, Canadian potato growers, and American potato growers?
1: It's an interesting question. I get that a lot um, from different areas. To me, potato growers are the same virtually around the world. They are the salt of the earth. They would cut their hand off and give it to you if you needed it. It's, they're always a pleasure to work with. And having been onto a number of Ontario potato farms and knowing the growers over the past decades and such, um, it's not a lot different than in New Zealand, Australia, Guatemala, Eastern Europe, Maine and uh, they all are proud of what they do they're trying to do a better job and they all have their different pressures and threats uh, biological different different areas in market and everything else but they all face the same problems they're just a little different
0: so throughout your time i guess working with growers is there a commonly asked question that you get or what are some of the questions that you get from growers
1: well if you're not so smart how come you're not rich is one. Um, they, the, the questions are, are, are similar yet different. They're based on um, what their conditions are and what their stressors are. And it might be um, seed storage, it may be potato storage, it may be um, tuber moth in some parts, it, it might be rhizoctonia or rotation or just general soil compaction. Um, it, it, there isn't a consistent set of questions. Um, a lot of t- times what chemicals should I use, which I don't really like giving that. I like giving choices. You can use this, this, or this. They've got different attributes. There's different reasons to choose one or the other. I'll explain how different materials fit into different areas and it's up to the grower to make a decision. Because if I simply tell them what to spray, next time he, he doesn't have the information or she doesn't have the information to answer that question. So I'd, I'm in education.
0: Mm-hmm. And let's talk about that. Because you said, if you know so much, why aren't you doing this yourself? There seems to be a tension between extension research and those actually who have, I guess, skin in the game, those out in the field. How would you respond to people who say the research isn't as relevant as the, I guess, the in-field experience?
1: Well, um, I do in-field experience, I do on-site research, I have tractors, I drive tractors, I understand uh, how to uh, adjust them and how to harrow fields and do that. So I'm a link between a a theoretical and an applied um, worker. I really don't get that stress between those that are delivering information. Um, Every time my phone rings, someone wants something. It's usually help or information, and and when you become an accepted or trusted uh, authority or a source of information, um, they're they really I, I just don't see the tension when you when you get that 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 level of of expectation of authority they come and they evaluate that answer but it a lot of it is based on do they know you do they think you have enough experience to do it. Um, I'm on the practical end, I can't go design a program that's going to be unaffordable. I have to go um, design a program and then tool it to be affordable so a grower can remain competitive and work within the system, which may be a contract or a, a price point from a packer or a processor, and that's the, the, the real-life issues that, that I deal with. I can't go and tell them to have a 10-year rotation. Because it's it's not there. Um, let's see what we can do on shortening rotation. Let's let's look what we can do for a value-added crop between it and that sort of stuff. Um, but the the practical field-based research is there's becoming less of that in the systems, and that's going to rear its head and. X number of years from now when the information or the people that do it aren't doing it aren't available and the growers are still needing this type of applied information.
0: So what is your kind of hope for the future of the potato industry and I guess extension in general if you want to go that far?
1: Well I'm a scientist and probably the most overriding concern I have is food security and food production. We're going to have to as a world produce more food in the next 40 years than we have in our entire time on earth to feed the populations that are here. How are we going to do this? It's going to be with science and getting some advances and changes in the the practices while still being able to eat and breathe. You know, it's planet, people, and profits that's all important on sustainability. But we're gonna to have to increase production. Every housing development, every road, chews up land and, and potential food production. It's less of an issue in rural Maine, where I live. It's less of an issue in parts, parts of Canada, but it's a real issue in more urban areas, more populated areas in some of the countries that, that don't have the land base that, that North America does there. And that's a, a huge concern.
0: Um, We're here at the Ontario Potato Conference and that's held in Guelph and that's very close to the Greater Toronto area. So urban encroachment is an issue for a lot of the surrounding farmlands from the city. But let's bring it back. These are my final two questions. What would you want to be one key takeaway from your presentation here about potato emergence for growers?
1: Attention to detail. Understand that the stress doesn't happen in a two week period. It's a 12 month of a year kind of approach to look at it, more of a systems approach, understanding what causes it. And there's gonna be some years that you simply are gonna have stress seed. And if you know that, you can be better equipped to deal with it.
0: And final question, I always make it a fun one. What is your favorite way to eat potatoes?
1: Mashed potatoes, no question about it. I like a light, uh, low gravity potato. Put a mixer in there, whip the air into them.
0: Do you add anything to it? Butter, gravy?
1: Well, you got to put milk and butter to make decent mashed potatoes. But no, you don't want to ruin mashed potatoes with gravy. You need to eat them. If you're not, now you need better potatoes. Tasting potatoes, you have to put something on it.
0: And this might be controversial, but do you leave the skin on in your mashed potatoes?
1: I don't. I take the skin off. That's uh, and I and I'm gonna I'm gonna own it.
0: Yeah. Well, different strokes for different folks, right? Some people like it. Some people don't. But you know, that's it works. why they make
1: vanilla and chocolate ice cream.
0: I want to just say thank you so much for chatting with me today and I hope you have a safe trip back to Maine.
1: You have a good day, Stephanie.
0: Thank you for listening. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave us a rating or review because it helps more people find the show. As always, you can reach out to us by email by going to slash contact or find us on Twitter at potatoes Canada. We'd also like to thank our podcast sponsors, Nutra Ag and Nutra Analytics, for their support of the show. To learn more, check out NutraAg.com and myNutraanalytics.com. Thank you for listening to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Catch up on all of our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or online at potatoesincanada.com/slash podcast.